Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 20 of Retro Hangover. Hello, Internet. I am actively avoiding alliteration for this episode, but that's because we are back. We are back. After so long, welcome to Retro Hangover, episode, what, 20? Yeah, man, 20. I don't even I don't even think it matters the, the amount of episode numbers we're on again, uh, just because it's been such a uh, a layover or a hangover ah, from the last time we, last time we did a recording. <laughs> In any case, I... I'm your co-host, Chris Copleen, and I'm joined today by primary host, the Super Shane Kosky. How are you doing, Shane? Uh, you know, doing pretty good. Pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be back uh, recording. It has been quite some time. And for the record, I still think that the episode numbers matter. 20 is, it's a nice even number. It suggests that we've been doing this for at least some time, you know? I mean, we did start doing this like three years ago. Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, it's a relatively old uh, podcast. It is surprisingly, but um, there's a legacy. Yeah, but no, man, I'm I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing great. As happy as happy as I can be to be back in the U.S. of A. after being away again for another year uh, with no internet or civilization. Or cell phones, which has its pluses and its negatives, obviously. But uh, I can't really complain. Uh, it's uh, it's nice to be back. How about you? Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad to have you back, and at least this time you'll be sticking around for you know a relatively significant amount of time. So here's hoping that we can kind of keep this thing a little bit more uh, regular than uh, than we had been in the past, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Let uh, I want to. Hopefully it gets back to what we were doing when we first started the show. Like it was weekly for a few months and then we went bi-weekly and then, um, you know, life happened uh, to put it delicately, I guess, uh, not in a negative way, as, as but, it does. Uh, but yeah, um, I think I'm probably going to throw a quick little blog post about this too, up on the site for anybody who, you know, actually goes and looks at that. But just in, in quick summation, I guess the idea is that at least initially we want to do this, I think bi-weekly to start with, um, just with the way our schedules are, or at least I know mine is pretty crazy. So trying to fit it in is going to be difficult, but I, I definitely want to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, and the other pieces that were, I mean, actually it is kind of important that we're, we're sort of completely, once again, completely restructuring the format. Um, so the idea being that this will be a lot more concise should be about half hour hopefully no more than about 45 minutes but we're really shooting for that half hour mark and then outside of that we want to kind of um tackle more of just actual like retro topics because we feel like it kind of fits our our name and sort of our theme a lot more uh so each individual episode will just be kind of touching on one uh piece of gaming history whether it's a console or a game or game series or perhaps just a famous individual in the gaming industry but yeah man um so i'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah uh much more focused uh provide that aspect hopefully we can deliver more better or as 
well as than other podcasts can. But we'll put our best foot forward and hopefully we'll get an audience. Uh, we love you if you're listening to us right now, by the way. So um, I say we get to business and, and we get to brass tacks and start doing what we do. All right. Let's do it, man. All right. So uh, we're starting off with... Uh, the original PlayStation. I feel like I, I have this tendency to want to call it the PS1, but I know that's actually like technically erroneous, so I, I won't do that. But it's it's the original PlayStation, and uh, we're going to go over a little bit of the history of the console. And then the idea is we want to talk about uh, what were our favorite games from, from that run and why, and uh, whether or not we think that that system still holds up today just as is um is it something that someone could pick up today and still enjoy so with that i'm gonna hand it over to chris and he's gonna he's gonna learn you on some history that's right today i'm here to talk to you about the ps1 or psx or playstation whatever you want to call it it's been called many things over the years so many of our audience probably already knows this story it's been published over the years it's no surprise to anybody anymore but the playstation idea or concept started off as the super nintendo snes snes i don't want to call it snes anyway i'm diverging here it's a cd add-on for that system the actual hybrid system which combined the super nintendo famicom uh with the cd add-on was called the play space station so this all started back when Ken Kutaragi started by uh, developing the audio chip for the original Super Nintendo, which is called the SPC-700. Uh, due to the success that the sound chip had, Sony and Nintendo started to do the CD project together back in 1988. Um, of course, you have to remember 1988 was when they were starting to transition out of the Famicom to the Super Famicom in Japan, but we can talk about that another time. Due to the media used, the Super CD, or whatever it was called, uh, whatever Sony was developing for the system, uh, and contract agreements that they agreed upon between Nintendo and Sony, uh, Sony was going to make a lot more money than Nintendo wanted them to. That's essentially what happened. Um, So Hiroshi Yamauchi, who shares many similarities with a mushroom from Mario Kart, started negotiating with Philips, to make the add-on itself. In 1991, Nintendo decided they were going to go to the Consumer Electronics Show and announce this partnership with Philips. A day after, Sony decided they were going to announce that they were making the Nintendo or Sony PlayStation. So you could imagine how awkward it was to be Sony at the time. So, needless to say, there was a bit of a dispute and tensions and disagreements between Nintendo and Sony... Uh, they tried to make it work for, I guess, a year, trying to get back to the contract negotiations, how the, the media format would benefit both people, how Nintendo would get the licensing agreements. But ultimately, it fell flat in 1992, and Sony decided they were going to make their own system, which eventually led to the creation of the CDI Zelda trilogy, Hotel Mario, and, of course, the Sony PlayStation. Its original launch in Japan was December 3rd, 1994. It launched the United States on September 9th, 1995. Uh, incidentally, four years exactly to the date with the Sega Dreamcast. And in Europe on the 29th of September in 1995. Uh, it was officially discontinued on March 23rd, 2006, almost 12 years after its launch. It sold 102.5 million units. 
which is the fourth best-selling video game console of all time behind the Game Boy, Game Boy Color Line, uh, the Nintendo DS, and its ultimate successor, the PlayStation 2. The best-selling games on the PlayStation were Gran Turismo with a little over 10 million units sold, Final Fantasy VII with 9.8 million units sold, Gran Turismo 2... Uh, with 9.3 million units sold, Tekken 3 with 8.3 million units sold, and coming in at number 5 is everyone's favorite, the notable classic Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone at 8 million units sold. This is all real. So there's your brief history, a uh, little extra notes. If you look at the history of the PlayStation, you can kind of see what happened after the fallout with the Nintendo with development that you see on the Sega CD with a lot of Sony-sponsored projects, games like Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I have and is complete and utter shit. So um, <laughs> Nothing like the movie. The movie's a classic. Nothing like the movie. Um, of course, it was the most successful console out of the three. As you see, it was the fourth best-selling console of all time, easily defeating the Sega Saturn, the Nintendo 64, and also lesser-known systems like the Atari Jaguar and the Panasonic 3DO. Um, those are stories, of course, for another time that we will hopefully get to talk about. But for today's sake, that is the history of the Sony PlayStation, whose legacy continues on to this day with emulation in the PS2 and PS3. Shane? Yeah, you know, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I was surprised by the bestseller list. Um, not not the entire list, actually. Just the uh, just the fifth one, really. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, I saw that too. Eight million units for Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. With with the number of like quality titles that ended up coming out for the PlayStation, I'm I'm surprised that that made it to the to the top five. I'm also actually oh, yeah. kind of surprised that FF7 wasn't number one, but I suppose Gran Turismo had a lot more broad appeal, I suppose. Uh, to be fair, Gran Turismo was packed in with some versions of the PlayStation as well. Ah, that's how they get you. All right, so they cheated. Yeah. All right, I'm 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 counting FF7 as the number one then. Right, it's kind of like how Super Mario Brothers sold 40 million units. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, because it was packaged in every Nintendo um that's not the same for gran turismo they've had a lot of bundles and a lot of bundles didn't have games um and if we ever talk about the 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 fifth generation console wars we can talk about uh saturn and playstation and how that was actually pretty contentious but we'll get to that someday and that day is not today yeah the other the other piece of this like brief history that kind of caught my attention um was the uh the end of the deal, I suppose. So in, in, in 1992, the, I guess the really the only positive thing I think that came out of that was the PlayStation itself, because that list of other things like, you know, the CDI Zelda games, for instance, or Hotel Mario, um, maybe not the best. I mean, they're, they're good for some like ironic entertainment in the same way that you watch a movie for it being so hilariously awful that it's entertaining. I think the, the CDI itself it would fit in that category of being so hilariously awful as entertaining. That That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, having said all that, um, we want to talk about what our favorite games from that console were. Now, just some quick um, kind of backstory on this one. As you might have guessed, Chris has a lot more uh, experience with the the PlayStation than I did. Uh, I, I was a Nintendo 64 kid growing up. So my experience with the PlayStation, uh, was relegated mostly to renting it from the local movie gallery. Uh, however, having said that, um, I don't know how you felt about yours, but I, I actually had a, a really hard toss up. Um, and I'm still not a hundred percent settled if, if I'm being perfectly frank, but 
Okay. Uh, my my top two that I was kind of going back and forth on uh, are uh, Symphony of the Night mm-hmm. and the original Silent Hill. Good choices. So they both definitely have their pros and cons in my own personal opinion, and they both speak to me in very, very different ways. But I think ultimately Silent Hill is going to win out for me. Um, and that's just because though I am a huge fan of the sort of Metroidvania style Castlevania games and, uh, Symphony of the Night was basically the the granddaddy of that style and informed the design decisions for most, if not all of the 2D Castlevania games following it. Uh, Silent Hill just kind of holds like a special place in, in my heart, if for nothing else than it being the thing that brought us Silent Hill 2, <laughs> which uh, if we ever do a PS2 episode, which I imagine at some point we will, that spoiler alert, that's probably going to be my favorite. But um, it is the best survival horror game probably ever. True. Yeah. Um, and so in in making this decision, I was kind of poking around a little bit. And uh, just some kind of interesting facts that went into the creation of Silent Hill, since we are kind of talking about the history of certain things. Um, Mm -hmm. If you didn't know, Silent Hill was developed by Team Silent at Konami. um, And this team uh, was actually put together by a bunch of folks that ended up really feeling mostly like outcasts from the rest of the company, uh, largely in the way that they were treated by everyone else at Konami and the fact that the project they were working on was far outside of the wheelhouse of what the rest of Konami's development teams are actually doing. Wait, wait, are you telling me Konami would alienate their employees? I know it's surprising, um, but I'm here to tell you that was the case. I have never heard anything like that ever before coming about Konami. They are such an innocent company and everyone loves them. Well, I have this gentleman you might want to look into. His name's Jim Sterling. (laughs) He has some opinions about Konami. Oh, I thought you were going to say Hideo Kojima. Well, that also that, yeah. Um, but the, the interesting thing, and actually I think it was to the consumer's benefit, uh, was given that they were sort of the pariahs of the company, they were sort of left to their own devices. So they were given a lot of creative freedom, which was largely unusual at the time. And um, that really helped to get them to where they wanted to go. They were they were able to take a more artistic approach to the game, which is what they actually wanted to do. And uh, the director of the game, uh, Keiichiro Toyama, um, had basically no experience with horror movies up until that point. But um, he was very, very interested in the concept of UFOs, which may have informed the uh, surprise secret ending of the game. Um mm-hmm. The Occult, and perhaps most importantly, David Lynch films. This also might explain why I ended up really liking the game so much, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Lynch fan myself. Um, no idea who that is. Uh, he is responsible for things like Twin Peaks and Eraserhead. Um, basically just crazy psychological thriller type movies. Um, they're v- largely incomprehensible, at least on first viewing. They're very dense and very disturbing. I might have to look that up. I've never seen Twin Peaks, but I've seen a lot about it. Yeah, I would. Uh, you should just totally go for watch watch Eraserhead, and that'll that'll give you. Also, uh, just as a quick aside, if you've never seen Jacob's Ladder, that is a huge inspiration to what went into the Silent Hill games going forward. You mean like piercings? 
<laughs> uh, not that kind of Jacob's Ladder, no. The, f- oh, the, okay. the film. But uh, now if you look at some of the sort of creature design and the special effects that went into that movie, they are direct inspirations to things that you end up seeing in like Silent Hill 2, for instance. So little interesting thing mm. to look into. Um, okay. Cool thing was this was actually Toyama's first role as a director, so he kind of uh, knocked that one out of the park. Uh, the last little bit that was interesting to me, anyway, uh, was the soundtrack. So that was recorded by Akira Yamaoka, who, I, if I'm not mistaken, went on to do the soundtracks for at least Silent Hill 2 and 3 as well. And his style is very, um, very specific and very identifiable. So he decided to go with an industrial style to kind of evoke a cold, rusty feeling, which I think he definitely hit directly on the head. Which, when he presented it to Konami executives um, originally, they thought it was actually a sound bug because they had no oh, idea wow. the the sort of feel that he was going for. And so they thought it was just a bunch of random noise. So he had to very carefully explain it to them. But, um, but he did an amazing job. I actually still occasionally listen to the Silent Hill soundtracks like on Spotify just because they're so atmospheric. Also, uh, really good yes. for Halloween music, by the way. Very atmospheric, very, very atmospheric soundtrack that lends a lot to the game, uh, which, before I let you continue, is why I thought Silent Hill was such a better survival horror game than Resident Evil. I mean, it, that, that game, even with the graphics the way they are, uh, looking back at it, is, is still a creepy-ass game. Um, hasn't aged well, but it's still far creepier than what Resident Evil was doing at the time and we we saw how those those paths diverged and how silent hill stayed true to it and resident evil kind of didn't but um yeah uh, silent hill in my opinion anyway a much better survival horror game than resident evil oh no i agree and um the last quick little piece there i think this is pretty common knowledge at this point but uh it was sort of fortunate side effect i suppose of the limitations of the hardware at the time but that's the reason that there was so much fog and darkness in the game really outside of being atmospheric was just that the playstation couldn't render much more outside of of that sort of view circle so um kind of good on the on team silent for you know getting creative with their solution to that problem and it ended up being a hallmark of the series so, but that's all I had to say on that one. So Silent Hill, I think my, uh, my number one from the PlayStation. So what about you, Chris? What's, what's your top pick? Well, first of all, you kind of caught me off guard and I really have to step my game up uh, <laughs> because you went, you went really deep. Like uh, these are the kind of things I used to back in the day used to think about, but I'm happy you picked Silent Hill, uh, because the game that has stuck with me on the original PlayStation after all these years is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. That is my favorite game <laughs> uh, on the I'm original worked, PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I wouldn't put Silent Hill in my top two. Uh, I do love Silent Hill. I think it's a great game. I played it probably about two years ago just to jog my memory uh, again. And it's a fantastic game. Um, and it, it's a hard choice to say Castlevania as well because there are so many good games on the PlayStation. I just have to mention, uh, like Final Fantasy Tactics, mm. uh, the Suicoden series, uh, particularly uh, Suicoden 2. Final Fantasy 9 is really good. Final Fantasy 7 is a good game. However, uh, you know, I don't feel the same way about it as a lot of other people do. Not saying it's bad, but it's <laughs> not the same game that a lot of other people say. Uh, Metal Gear Solid is amazing. Uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic cinematic game that uh, that has its flaws, but it's still a great game. 
Um, there's so many. I can go on and on. Gran Turismo, uh, probably my favorite racing series of all time. Uh, but I would have to stick with Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It's one of the few games that I, I feel like out of that list I can go back to today and play it the same way I played it back in what was like 1997, 1998 when it came out mm-hmm. and, and still play it the same way and still not be, and, and not be turned away from the graphics, uh, not be turned away from the gameplay. It's arguably perfectly balanced, maybe a tad bit on the easy side, especially for the lineage of Castlevania, uh, what it what had been up to that point, considering that it had a notoriety of being a difficult series, even with one of the easier games, Super Castlevania Four, being a relatively difficult game uh, for a platformer. But the the difficulty was inviting. It, it borrowed a lot from the positive aspects of uh, Metroid and Super Metroid, and got rid of a lot of the irritating things from that series. I I think where. You know, they just kind of hide things in areas you would never look for. And more in Castlevania, looking for things and finding things is is more natural. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take as much of a, a you know, a, a creative link or th- a thinking leap to figure out how to advance next. And the fact that, and a lot of people have said this, so I'm not saying anything original here. The fact that back then you you didn't know there was a entire second part of the game, and you had to do specific things. But if you paid attention to the game and the gameplay and what was going on with it, you could figure it out easily enough and get an enti- and get the true ending and, and play the entire game, which was generally not really done back in the day, um, back in that time period, not those kind of twists and turns. And it really opened up an entire series to me uh, because I not had not really paid attention to the Castlevania series as a whole up till then. And the lineage and the lore. And it just, I loved it. Like, even if you look at my email today, it has Alucard in it. So, He's not lying. Um, yes. Uh, so definitely one of my – it's one of my favorite games of all time. Is I don't know – it's not my favorite game of all time, but it's definitely my favorite game on the PlayStation. Um, so many different ways to play it nowadays too. Um, I wouldn't say going back and playing it on the original PlayStation is the best way to do it. Certainly it's better than playing the Saturn version, but <laughs> – I feel like that can be said in a lot of cases. Yeah, 2D games, this was an exception. Uh, it's very, very alienating on the Saturn if you had played the PlayStation version. And a lot of 2D games on this, on the PlayStation, if they had a Saturn port, were significantly better on the Sega Saturn. Uh, not like, well, significantly is probably too strong of a word, but they were better to the point where it was noticeable. Was that just um, because the Saturn had better hardware? For 2D games, yes. Mm. Uh, uh, particularly when you look at games with the four megabyte RAM extant- expansion port for like X-Men versus Street Fighter, Marvel versus Street Fighter, uh, the SNK, uh, King of Fighters games, stuff like that. Uh, um, 2D games are just better. Mm-hmm. Uh, had more frames of animation loaded faster, um, more transparency effects that were better. Uh, but once you got into 3D realm, yeah, PlayStation just absolutely crushed it. There was, there wasn't even a question. It, it was obvious that in terms of 3D power, the PlayStation was significantly, uh, better than the Saturn. But, um, yeah, that's, that's all I really have to say about Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It's, uh, if you haven't played it by now, what are you doing? It's a true classic and Bloodstained is coming out soon. So you can get your Castlevania back on. Uh, even though it's not Castlevania, but Koji Igarashi is is remaking the game, and I believe Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I don't want to say it was 
his first Castlevania game, but it was definitely his first Castlevania game of note that completely redirected the idea of the entire series moving forward up until they ruined it with Lords of Shadow. I, you know what? I'm going to be honest. Uh, this is a whole other topic for another day, but I actually kind of enjoyed Lords of Shadow. Not the second one. That one was kind of garbage, mm. but the first one I actually kind of liked. Okay, Lords of Shadow, is it a bad game? No. It's a very it, it's a very above average game. I would say it's a very above average game. It's enjoyable for what it is, but it's not Castlevania. Sorry. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. I think on its own though, it was it was at least serviceable. But so yeah. If, if, yeah. Uh so what you were saying about um the comparison, well, a the comparison between the Saturn and the PlayStation, but more more to the point people picking up some of this stuff today that works as a good segue so uh i'm gonna let you keep going on that one chris so why don't you start off uh how do you feel about the playstation today is this something that you think someone could pick up and play some of these titles and still enjoy themselves or is it so outdated that you just are not going to be able to get over you know some of the technical you know limitations of the time I think it depends on your taste in gaming. If you're more into 2D platformers and you know what to look for, uh, the Sony PlayStation can still deliver a lot of those experiences. And for a relatively inexpensive, uh, inexpensive price. If you want, I mean, do not get a Sony PlayStation one. Don't, don't get it. Uh, there's no point unless you get the, 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 the PS one, the, the, the actual PS one with the LCD screen attachment. Mm hmm. That'd be my recommendation just because one, it's a novelty. The, the, the resolution on that screen is crisp. It's a first party screen. If you can score it, it's gone up way in price. Uh, I remember it used to be, it was like $50 three years ago. Now it's like a hundred and something. But, um, if you're going, if you want to play PS1 games, do it on a PS3, uh, cause you can do it with HDMI out. Uh, PS3s are relatively easy to come by. Um, even the, the, the large ones that I have or that can play PS1, PS2, and PS3 games. Uh, if, if you have the money, it's only, I mean, if you're going to get a new console, you want to invest in it, there's still a hundred dollars, but if you're going to get a PS3, you're, you're going to be paying that money anyway. So go ahead and get a PS3 to play it. Um, you can also get probably a PS2 super duper cheap, uh, thin or thick, uh, get out those play PS2, PS1 games as well. You do need to buy a memory card on top of it. Um, but in terms of the 3d games, a lot of those 3d games, do they hold up? It, it depends. If you grew up with the stuff. Uh, I would say sure, because you know what to expect. You know what's you know what's coming down the pipeline. You might have more of a case of nostalgia uh, since you did experience it, since you did play with it. Uh, camera navigation is awful because even after the Dual Shot came out in like nineteen late nineteen ninety seven, they didn't know how to utilize that right analog stick to save their damn lives. <laughs> uh, they were still using they were still using R and L as as camera adjustments, and that was because I don't mm -hmm. think they wanted to alienate their audience uh, by splitting their base by making cameras on the on the right stick because they still wanted to have so many games that could be played with the default controller for like early adapters, and I can understand that. But it, it really, it like in terms of 3D games, you're you're not going to get as good of an experience as you would get a generation later when they find like, oh, this is what the right analog stick is for. This is what we can do with it. Like R1 and L1 and R2 and L2 aren't for camera navigation. This for it's for this. <laughs> so uh, I would be a little hesitant. Uh, there are great 3D games like Metal Gear Solid. I would I would go there because it's still kind of you can 
kind of control it more like a 2D game. The original Resident Evil, I would say, works better with a D-pad. Uh, same with Resident Evil 2. Then I think the analog stick, I might be alone in that opinion. But uh, you just got... And they also don't have camera angles. They're, they're all uh, pre-rendered backgrounds. So you're not going to have to deal with you know moving the camera. The game is more for you. Um, but that's pretty much... You know, it's all up to what you want to get out of it. If you're a true retro collector, um, you won't mind the graphics. If you've never gone back and played those games, it's going to be very difficult to stomach. It's like someone who grew up on Super Nintendo trying to go back to Atari. It's just hard. It's it's you really have to have a passion for those games. Yeah. So I think you and I are in agreement on that one um, by and large. There. <sighs> not having any of the nostalgia for, you know, the, the system or the vast majority of the titles in its library. Uh, I, I guess maybe have a, had a little bit more of an objective viewpoint, um, than perhaps some other folks who grew up with the PlayStation, but it is, it is definitely very rough to go back to for a number of reasons, most of which you, you've already kind of outlined. Um, the ones that stick out for me are not even so much the graphics. Uh, I don't mind that, uh, that actually is a bigger problem in my opinion on the N64, which is something that I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, in the near future. Um, oh, yeah. but the controls are a big hindrance, uh, in most cases, uh, even with, you know, the dual analog, like you said, because they weren't developed to really take advantage of that second stick, it's really unintuitive uh, to control some of those games. Like even, even my number one pick silent Hill, like I went back and I played it again on my slim PS2 that I've got, um, a few months back actually, and spent a better part of an afternoon kind of, um, just blasting through at least half of that game, I think. And, um, it takes a little bit of getting used to the, so one of the things that luckily kind of went away in the generations following this one was the, uh, the, the ever infamous tank controls. And that's something that you kind of touched on with, uh, resident evil. Uh, if that's not something that you were already used to going in, you're going to have no idea how to properly control your character. And it's, it's a pretty steep learning curve. Luckily, uh, future versions of these games like HD remasters and, you know, those collections and things like that, uh, implemented more modern control schemes. So in my opinion, that makes a lot of those games much better. And I think on the whole, my, my suggestion for that, unless you really want the, uh, authentic PlayStation experience, which in some cases you might. But if that's not what you're going after and you're really just you want to experience these games that you've heard people talk about so much or I'd even I'd even make the argument that if even if you played these games in your childhood, the the remastered versions, for the most part, some of them totally fucked it up. Like, let's not even talk about the Silent Hill collection that they released because that was hot garbage. But by you know why, though? Uh, Well, are you talking about the fact that they lost the original code base for the game? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I, that that was a big contributing factor, but there were also some other design decisions that went into those remasters that were completely insane, but that's a topic for maybe another time. Uh, but no, I think by and large, those HD remasters might be the best way, honestly, to go about playing those. Um, as long as they didn't royally screw something up in that conversion process, 
they those games are going to look the way that your the image in your head of those games looks um as like a quick sort of anecdotal story for that um one of the biggest games of my childhood growing up was ocarina of time and it looks far worse than the images in my head would lead me to believe and luckily um playing the 3ds version of that that looks like what i think the game always looked like so uh, now now a question about that yeah uh, really quick is do you think because the playstation 1 has so many options to upgrade the visuals on it, like through HDMI on the PS3 mm-hmm. or through a component with the PS2. And we have, and you can download them from the PS3 and the PS Store, so you're going to have them up converted to 1080p, and that's easy to do with PS1 games, mm-hmm. as opposed to games like on the on the Sega Saturn and the N64, where you do not have that option. Do you think that could be a leading contributor? Like, when I go back and I play PS1 games, they look almost how I remember them looking. But when I go back and look at a N64 game, it looks like hot trash (laughs) yeah i mean that that definitely helps for sure and and that might that might actually be enough right um but i'm still gonna stick with i feel like maybe the in a subjective way i think maybe the air quotes best way to play a lot of these titles is if they had a good remaster i would probably stick with that but in the end you know it doesn't hurt to at least go back and experience some of these games on the original system or, you know, a, a system that will run the original versions of the game. I happen to like my my slim PS2, so. Now, now really quickly, and this is something I, I've been trying to think about. I'm trying to think about my initial experiences with the PS1 because it wasn't my first system from that generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my second system. Well, I mean, we, our family got them all at the same time because, you know, we were spoiled and rich and stuff like that. But I got the N64... <laughs> My uh, brother got the PlayStation. My sister got a Saturn. So um, I don't remember back in 1995 the launch of the PlayStation. I think I didn't – me personally, I didn't think anything of it because I'd already seen the 3DO. It flopped. It was from a major company. It was from Panasonic. I saw the Jaguar. It flopped. I don't think I even had the PlayStation on my radar. Um, I don't know if you did, but – I remember the, the Super Nintendo, that launch was a big deal for me. Uh, like, even the 32X's launch was a big deal for me, as much as that system sucked. Like, I remember that being a big, big deal. I don't remember any hype. Maybe it was because my age and it wasn't aimed towards my demographic, but I don't remember anything with the PlayStation during that time until my friend one day brought over Resident Evil to play on my uh, brother's console and I knew that Final Fantasy 7 was coming out and then all of a sudden it's like oh look this might be a good system uh, even though when it launched and I saw like stuff like Battle Arena Toshinden and Jet Moto and I told myself I don't want to play those games and I'm probably smart for it I had no idea about the system until about 1996 early 1997 yeah uh, I, I think I had a somewhat similar experience but I I, I think that was because I I don't recall anybody that I knew having a PlayStation or really knowing anything about it. If, and my memory might not be serving me very well, but uh, I know from like my experience, uh, we were almost exclusively a Nintendo household for the majority of my childhood, with the exception of starting off with uh, Sega Master System, which we will definitely talk about. Yes. Um. But outside of that, I always had, I had a, an NES and then, yeah, the Super Nintendo was huge for, for me and for my brother. Um, 
So we were psyched about that one. And then the N64, I remember getting that on Christmas actually. And my first, my first game for it was Doom 64, which I actually hated, even though I love Doom. Um, but that might have been but a product of the time. But isn't that weird though? Like, I remember, do you remember being hyped for the N64? Oh, yeah. Like, very, very much. But the PlayStation, like you, was basically not even on my radar. Um, and it, I think I actually came to it later than you did. Because uh, I didn't end up going and, like I said earlier, uh, renting it from a movie store to play, like, over a weekend or whatever. I want to say probably not until 97 or 98. I mean, that's that's when a lot of people have got into it because that's when, you know, Final Fantasy VII got on the system. It was heavily advertised. And then a lot of people got into it, same with Gran Turismo mm-hmm. and how that was advertised and, and brought people to it. I actually think that the thing that the game that broke the dam was Resident Evil. I don't think it gets nearly the amount of credit that it does all the credit almost always goes to final fantasy seven and the defining playstation game as well as it could be understood but i think what brought a lot of people over was resident evil just because when you look at the graphics the maturity the the demographic it picked up i think it picked up sega's consumers Mm -hmm. uh from how badly sega had botched everything uh because i I was a Sega. I was a Sega Nintendo guy. I split. Uh, I love both systems. I had no idea the Saturn was any good. I thought it was crap. Um, I was all like, every single time you went to the arcade, oh, Killer Instinct coming on the Ultra sixty four. Get me an N sixty four. So I didn't think of you know Sony or Sega. But when you say nineteen ninety eight, yeah, that completely and totally makes sense. Um, just because the amount of games that had been accumulating. Yeah. Yeah, so it. I guess I don't know. I, I'd be curious if if anybody out there, our, our listeners, if you exist, um, I I'd be curious to hear from some other folks about their experiences with that and whether or not, you know, our our childhood experience of kind of not even knowing this was a thing until you know a little bit later in its in its life cycle. I guess uh, if that is common, or if maybe we were just like, I don't know, living in some sort of weird like nintendo bubble for a while (laughs) for reference we are in our 30s yes yes that is true i think that needs to be said because if you're like 40 years old you're probably going to have a much clearer idea of what the playstation was yeah you might have been like paying attention to the ces like the year that it was shown (laughs) 299 yeah yeah end up killing the saturn (laughs) um quick what was your first playstation game oh man my first first playstation game oh that's that is a good question i i'm racking my brain and i feel like the thing that i might have gotten when i rented it was i want to say it was some sort of flight sim game i don't i don't remember what it was now i'm i'm drawing a blank air air combat ace combat yeah actually i think it might have been ace combat that would be ace combat too if you remember being ace combat because the first one was called air combat Okay, yeah, then it must have been the second one, but I, I think that was probably it. Nice. Yeah. Mine was uh, Power Rangers Pinball. <laughs> a quality title. I, I didn't know any better, man. I think that's, it was, it was, I think that's why I didn't, and, and I'll try to be as brief as possible because I know we're starting to get up on time here, but it was a game that didn't instill much confidence in being a great PlayStation game or, or like speaking to the system. Uh, because I was right around the age, like, I still kind of like Power Rangers. 
So I'm playing this game, and what was it? It was a decent pinball game, but loaded with FMV trash. So I was thinking, <laughs> oh my god, it's another Sega CD, and the Sega CD had some great games, but for the most part, it was just FMV trash. So I was like, okay, this is what this, the future of consoles is. This is what CDs are going to give me. It's going to give me grainy, terrible quality video and just intermittent gameplay in between. And this is bad. And, of course, the other game was Crash Bandicoot. Mm. And if you love Crash Bandicoot, God bless you. But I hate it. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not that good of a game. I'm sorry. In order to save the game, you have to find special bonus levels. And the entire point of the game is to destroy boxes. Have fun with that. It, it's, it controls well. But in order to do what the game wants you to do, it's a, it's a little stupid. It's like saying, in order to beat Mario and get the true ending of Mario, you have to collect all the coins. So screw Crash Bandicoot. Well, that sounds like a future episode to me. <laughs> it, it absolutely does. All right. Well, I think that's probably going to wrap it up for us this time around. Um, I think we had a pretty good discussion about the venerable PlayStation. And as I had mentioned before, if there's any sort of input that the that our, our lovely listeners out there would like to send our way, we'd love to hear about your experiences with the, the original PlayStation, whether, whether or not you grew up with it. Um, if it was something that came, you came to later, perhaps, you know, um, h- however you happened to, to come by it, we'd, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, do we have an email? Uh, we do, as a matter of fact. Uh, does it still work? <laughs> it, it does still work. Last time I checked. Yes. Uh, but uh, if I recall correctly, and maybe I'll have to fix this in post, but uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us via email, you can do so at uh, contact at retrohangover.com. Uh, you can also reach out via our Facebook page, or you can uh, go to the website directly and you can leave a comment on, well, really any of our posts, but if you'd like it to make sense, maybe you'd want to leave it on the post for this episode. And that, of course, is retrohangover.com. Uh, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter, as a matter of fact, uh, which, if I recall correctly, again, it should just be at retrohangover. So um, I'm going to be going in and uh, kind of reactivating those uh, social accounts shortly. So yeah. if you're listening to this and you haven't already seen that, uh, expect there to be some, some messages coming through the, the ether very soon. Yes. Um, and quickly, I just want to shout out to uh, Nintendo seconds, uh, LP tiger, since I, he says, uh, I'm going to have a little segment that he's going to post up, uh, on his show. So be sure to check it out. He does like five minute Nintendo news. If you're into that stuff. So, uh, he's a personal friend of ours. He's, he's down in the area that we live. So make sure to help him out and support his, his channel and his show. Say channel like fucking YouTube or something. Uh, <laughs> like, 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 comment and subscribe. <laughs> like, comment and subscribe. Ma- mash, um, mash that bell button. <laughs> So you can get notified uh, <laughs> next year when we come out with another episode. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, we appreciate it. It's glad to be back. Uh, hopefully we get some episodes out at a more regular interval. And uh, for everyone who listens to the show, we appreciate it. Um, and we look forward to talking to you next time. All right. Until then. Have a good night. Happy playing. Happy playing.